Good morning, and welcome to all that are gathered here in the sanctuary this morning, along with those listening on radio and watching us on Facebook Live. Thank you for joining us for worship this morning at First Church. I do have two announcements I have to share this morning before I start our service. Junior and Senior High Bible Study meets on Sundays after, Sunday afternoons at 1 o'clock. Today's Bible Study will be held at Dave and Judy Bumbar's basement since it's raining. So we're going to tell you to bring your lawn chair, but you can leave that at home today. Uh, Bible study is for anybody who's in 7th through 12th grade. Uh, meeting reminder, tomorrow, Spiritual Council meets at 6 p.m. Trustees meet at 7 p.m., and then all consistory meets together at 7.30 p.m. Your informational packets are up here on the front pew. That takes care of my announcements. Now, those who are able, would you please rise and join me for a call to worship? This morning it is taken from Psalm 23. Please read along with me. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Please remain standing for opening hymn number 43, Great is Thy Faithfulness.
as the children come forward for the children's chat with Maria, please take a moment and greet one another. morning. How many of you guys have ever heard the story of the three little pigs? Who's in, who, who are the characters? Who are the, who's in the big bad wolf or who is in the three little pigs? The big bad wolf. The big bad wolf. Yep. Is, how many pigs are there? Three. Three. Okay. So in the story of the three little pigs, their mama says it's time for them to go out on their own and live on their own. So they decide to build three houses, right? Yep. One Just, was made of wood and one was made of bricks and one was made of straw. Perfect. One was made of bricks, one was made of wood, and one was made of straw. Okay, so when the wolf came to the first house, he blew it down, right? Because it was made of straw. So that first little pig went to the second little pig's house, right? And that house was made of wood. Did the wolf knock that one down? Yeah. Yes, he did. So where did they go? Into the brick's house. Into the pig with the brick's house. Right. Now, the wolf huffed and puffed. Could he blow that house down? No, because it was made of bricks. Because it was made of bricks. That's right. So what did the wolf, he was going to try to be really smart, what did he do? You got it. Miles, I think you've heard this story multiple times. Yes, the wolf went down the chimney and into a pot of boiling water. All right, so our scripture today is kind of like has in it a big bad wolf and a shepherd. What does a shepherd take care of? Shepherd takes care of sheep, right? Yep, shepherd takes care of sheep, okay? So, in our story, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, okay? Just like the little pigs, we go about our daily life, and sometimes the big bad wolf knocks on our door, doesn't he? Who is that in life? Who is that guy? Is that Satan? Yeah. And, and, but in our Bible story today, Jesus is our good shepherd. And we are the sheep. What do sheep say? 
can you buy like a sheep? <laughs> nope. But we are like the sheep. And when, when the devil comes knocking at our door, we know that Jesus is our good shepherd and that he is going to call us by name and encourage us to come into his house so that we can be safe, okay? So as we listen to our scripture story today about Jesus being our good shepherd, we need to think about how we are the sheep. And Jesus calls each one of us by name. He says, Caroline, Caroline, come follow me. Grigsby, are you coming? Are you? Noah, are you coming? What about you? Are you coming? Yeah. I already know Miles is in the lead. What about you? Are you coming? Yeah. So when you hear God call your name, when he is the shepherd and he is calling you, you need to make sure that you are in line so that when the big bad wolf, the devil, makes you do things, you know that you can run and God will always be there to listen to you. Okay? So let's say a quick prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for these children and their eagerness to learn about you. Help them to remember that you are our shepherd and you are always calling us by name, no matter where we are and what we're doing. You are our good shepherd. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Maria. You guys can head back to your seats now. I have a couple more announcements I want to share with you before we invite the deacons to come forward for the offering today. Uh, first, if you notice in your bulletin, uh, we do have a guest speaker next week. Uh, he was also doing the announcements this morning, so I don't think he wanted to put himself in the spotlight today, but uh, I'm going to be attending a conference in Rhode Island this week, and so Jack Shrolicky is going to be sharing the message next Sunday. So I want to encourage all of you to be here and hear the message that God has placed on his heart for us next week. Also want to um, have a brief meeting with uh, choir and bell members after church today. If you're available to stick around, we'll just meet in the social room and want to give out our mission project for today. Uh, if you notice in the bulletin, it says that our designated offering is for the Kusel Church in Germany. Uh, for those of you who remember this project, we actually sent work teams to Germany uh, in 2016 and 2017 to help with the construction of this church project in Kusel, which is a rural community in southwestern Germany. Their vision was to create for a church for worship and a place for outreach to refugees, kids programs, and a training center for pastors, missionaries, and volunteers. Since we've been there, which has been a few years now, um, they've completed the worship space, dormitories, a library, and expanded their outdoor facilities. Um, but the work is not yet complete. There's still work to do to finish the top floor um, for ministry use. And so our offering today and um, any other gifts that you choose to give towards this project will go as they continue to complete this project. Um, so Definitely want to not just give towards them if you feel led to do that, but also pray for their ministry. They're doing a lot of good work there in Kusel, especially reaching the refugee population. So at this time, I want to invite the deacons to come forward and collect our offering this morning.
Amen. And I invite you to remain standing as we continue our worship of, our, of the Lord this morning with hymn number 51, Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah. you to pray with me. Father God, we come before you because you are our great, uh, our, our guide and our great Jehovah. We thank you, Lord God, that you do provide for us in every facet of life from the physical provision, Lord, that we receive uh, or the spiritual provision that we receive through you and your son, Jesus Christ, and through the presence of your Holy Spirit in our lives. Lord God, we are made new, we are saved, we are redeemed, and we are born again because of your goodness and your love towards us. Because of your faithfulness, we are not consumed. And so, Lord God, we come before you this morning and just praise your holy name for your guidance, your faithfulness, and your care in our lives. 
In just a few moments, we're going to open your word again together and, and, and study from John 10 about how Jesus is our good shepherd. Lord God, it is through your son, Jesus Christ, that you make every promise come true, that you provide everything that we need. Your word says that every one of your promises is, is made real, is, is fulfilled in Christ. And so, Lord Jesus, we praise your name for your presence and your provision and your protection in our lives, lives of our, of our church family. And so, Lord God, we come before you knowing that you are our provider and you are the one who guides us each and every day. And we ask for your continued provision and your continued faithfulness today and in every circumstance. Lord, we know that there are people both represented in the bulletin and and on our own hearts and minds that are in need of your healing, in need of your care, Lord. And And so we lift them up to you. Lord, in, 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 our, in our hearts and our minds, we think of those who are in need of healing. And, and we, we know that you are fully aware of their need. Lord, your word says that, that you know what's on our hearts, Lord, before we even pray it, before we even speak it out loud. And so we trust and believe that you are fully aware of every burden we carry into this room, every circumstance that's on our hearts. And we ask, Lord, that you would work according to your will in those situations. And Lord, may you be glorified even in the deepest, darkest valley, even in the valley of the shadow of death. May you be glorified because of your goodness and your faithfulness. And Lord, we trust that you can work all things to the good of those who love you, who've been called according to your purpose, Lord. And we trust that you know what is good and what we need in each and every circumstance. And so, Father God, we also lift up those in authority over us as your word calls us to do. And today we want to pray for our first responders. We pray for law enforcement, for firefighters, for EMTs, Lord, who who step out and, and put themselves sometimes in harm's way to serve and care for others. And so we thank you for the ways, Lord, that they selflessly serve in these capacities and ask that you continue to guide them and protect them. And, uh, and we thank you, Lord, for, uh, for their service in a variety of ways. And Lord, we thank you for this church family that you have, you have established here and you have placed us in. And we thank you this day, Lord, for, um, Lord, for, for just the families that make up this church and, and the different family units that are represented here. We thank you for each one of them and pray for your blessing and your guidance in their lives. And we ask, Lord, that you would continue to raise us up to be your people, to be your church in this community, in this nation, and around this world. And may you continue to raise up generation after generation of people to to know you, to love you, and to serve you with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. Scripture reading this morning comes from John 10, verses 1 through 18. 
Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all, out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and they shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Thank you, Tracy. Let's pray together again. Father God, we are grateful that we have this opportunity once again to open your word together. Lord, we are, uh, as a church, we, we gather here to sing your praises. We gather here to lift up our prayers and we gather here to hear from you through your word. And so I pray now that as we study from uh, John chapter 10 this morning, that you would open our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you give me words to speak that they may be words of truth and encouragement and challenge and edification. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Today we're going to obviously continue through our series here, answering the question, who do you say that I am? So far during the series, we've looked at how Jesus is our Messiah or Christ. He is our Savior and our Lord. And today we're going to begin... Um, looking at some of maybe the, the lesser known or lesser obvious ones here, Savior, Messiah, Lord, those are the go-to answers more often than not. But today and in the weeks to come throughout the rest of the summer, we're going to look at some claims of Jesus that are maybe a little, maybe still well-known, I guess, but, but less intuitive. And so we're going to be looking today at how Jesus claims in John chapter 10 to be the good shepherd. Now, it's interesting, if you were to look, do a survey of Jesus's parables and teachings throughout the gospels it seems like more often than not jesus's illustrations draw from uh, agriculture and those sorts of issues of the day 
The reason for that is the people that he was speaking to knew exactly what he was talking about when he talked about planting crops and scattering seed, when he talked about being a shepherd and caring for the sheep. Those were things that the people would have known instantly. See, Jesus is speaking there. And so he's using this illustration of a shepherd in the sheep, of a gate in a pasture, to help them understand his role in caring for and providing for God's people. Now, this, this metaphor of shepherd didn't begin with Jesus. You see it actually running throughout the Old Testament. In fact, in several occasions in the Old Testament, God, through the prophets, accuses the religious leaders of the day of being bad or being unfaithful shepherds. Passages like Ezekiel 34, 1 through 10, and Jeremiah 23, 1 and 2, accuse the religious leaders of those days of being unfaithful and poor shepherds, of leading God's people astray rather than caring for them as they should. Both of these passages demonstrate for us an unfortunate truth that Israel's religious leaders often failed in their duty as shepherds. And even here in the New Testament, we see John 10 in this conversation about the good shepherd. It comes on the heels of the story in John chapter 9 where Jesus heals a man that was born blind. And after he heals him, this man is, is brought into the court of the Pharisees and questioned about what happened and why it happened. And Jesus ends that chapter in chapter 9, once again talking to this man and talking about not physical blindness, but spiritual blindness. And then here in chapter 10, we note in verse 1 that this conversation that Jesus had is directed right at those Pharisees, those people that were, he was accusing of being spiritually blind, those ones that came in, unfortunately, a long line of other religious leaders in Israel who were unfaithful shepherds. The Pharisees likely saw themselves as the true shepherds of Israel, but Jesus claims that he, not those religious leaders of the day, is the true shepherd. Now, this claim is shocking, not because Jesus is trying to be like the Pharisees or, or be a religious leader, but because of the testimony of Scripture itself, that the Lord, Yahweh, the God of Israel, is their true shepherd. And again, you see that in Ezekiel 34, after, after the Lord accuses the religious leaders of being unfaithful shepherds, he says that he himself will step in and lead them in the way that they should go. And then, of course, we have the passage we read for our call to worship today, Psalm 23, which begins, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. All right, so we have from the testimony of Scripture that that the religious leaders of the day of the prophets were, were poor shepherds. They were unfaithful shepherds. And that Yahweh, the God of Israel himself, is going to step in and lead them as the one true shepherd. And then you have Jesus coming along, speaking to the religious leaders of his day who thought they were the shepherds. Jesus claims, no, I am the good shepherd. All right, that's a radical claim, just like it was a radical claim for Jesus to be the Messiah, the Savior in the Lord. And so we can learn a few things here from John 10 about how we should follow the good shepherd. And the first thing we need to note here is that we need to beware of the false shepherds. It says that in, right in the beginning, in verse 1, 
He says, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. That word robber there is the same word used later on in the Gospels to describe Barabbas. Do you remember who Barabbas is? He was the one that was placed before the crowds alongside Jesus. And the crowd was given a choice. You can either set Jesus free or set Barabbas free. And Barabbas is described as a robber or maybe a better translation in that context is a revolutionary you see, Barabbas is said to have led a revolution against Rome. He was, he was someone who was leading a revolt. See, there were a lot of people that acted that way in Jesus' time and in the generations leading up to Jesus and in the generations to follow. There were people who tried to take matters into their own hand and fight the Romans and try to, try to usurp their rule. And Barabbas was one of many revolutionary, failed revolutionaries and potentially false messiahs. That came before Jesus. You see, false teachers and ungodly leaders have always been a reality in God's church. Unfaithful shepherds, as described in the Old Testament, also false prophets, charlatans who abuse the church, people who sow discord and disunity. See, it's always been a reality in God's people, something they need to be aware of. Paul said, tells Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 through 4, he says, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Right? That's Paul speaking to Timothy in the very first generation of the church. Right? And there's, more, and there's multiple warnings throughout First and Second Timothy about those false teachers, about false gospels, and those who, who try to distract and sow discord within the family of God. You see, it was a problem in the Old Testament, it was a problem in the New Testament, and continues to be a problem today. And so the church, we as the church, need to learn how to identify false teaching. And the best way to do that is by knowing the truth so well that you're able to spot a counterfeit at first glance. You see, that's the key. The key is to know the truth, to know the gospel, to, to hide God's word in your heart so that you are aware when something doesn't line up, when someone comes along and teaches a different gospel or, or a false teaching. You can look at it and identify it right away that it is not the real thing. And so I think Jesus is, is helping us understand here some ways that we can identify false teachers that may come into our midst. And first, we need to recognize them for their unchristlike authority. Again, that's unchristlike authority. He says these thieves and robbers and these hired hands, they don't enter through the gate. They come in by other means. You see, the gate in this part of the parable represents proper authority or proper entrance into God's kingdom. You see, it says that the sheep enters the pen through the gate, that the shepherd enters through the gate. And so therefore he has the right to guide and lead the sheep because he's entering into that place the right way. But the thieves and the robbers, they don't enter through the gate. They don't lead like Christ. They try to do it in their own way and by their own means and under their own authority. See, Christ leads with humility. 
He leads with a servant heart. He leads in line with God's heart and will and character. But these false teachers, right, they, these thieves and robbers, they enter into the pen by another means. Their authority is not like the authority of Christ. Second, one difference between the good shepherd and these false teachers is that the false teacher's way leads to death. Right? It's been that way since the beginning. It says, John, he says here in John chapter 10, verse 10, it says, The thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. And that has been true since Genesis chapter 3. Right? Think again back to the garden when sin first entered the world and the serpent was whispering his lies into Adam and Eve's ear. The lie was, you certainly won't. You won't certainly die. Right? God had commanded them not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God had said, when you eat of it, you will die. And the serpent comes along and says, no, you're not going to die. You'll be fine. But leads to death, physical death, but also, and more importantly, spiritual death. It leads to eternal separation from God. Adam and Eve didn't die the moment they ate that fruit, but when they did, they certainly did die, right? They entered into a state of separation from God. So the way of these false teachers, the way of the enemy leads to death. But the way of Jesus leads to abundant life. The good shepherd leads us to what we need the most. He leads us to pasture. He leads us to water. He leads us to rest. Yes, even through the deepest, darkest valley, he leads us. But he leads us not just to survive, not just to make do, but to thrive. Right? He doesn't just say that, he doesn't say the, that I have come to, to give you enough life. He says, I give you abundant life, more than you need. Another phrase for that would be eternal life. God has come through Christ to bring us eternal life, which doesn't just begin when we die and go to be with him. It begins here and now that we may have abundant life. The third characteristic of false teachers that we need to look out for is that they are selfish. Hired hands and thieves care only for themselves. They enter and exit by their own means. And when danger arrives, they abandon the flock in their time of need. They don't actually care for the flock or for the sheep. They only care what they can get out of it for themselves. And when tough times come, they're the first ones to go. But Christ-like shepherds lead selflessly, not selfishly. And they follow the example of Jesus who laid down his life for the sheep. John 10, 1 through 18 reminds us, I think, three times that Jesus, as the good shepherd, sacrifices himself, lays down his life for the sheep. In another parable in Luke 15, Jesus tells the story of another shepherd. This one has tending his flock out in the fields. He has a hundred sheep. But one of them goes astray. One of them wanders off. And that shepherd willingly leaves the 99 to go and search for that one. To go find that one lost sheep and bring them home again. That is Christ-like leadership. That is selfless leadership. To go out of your way in order to redeem and rescue and save that one lost soul that has gone astray. And so we need to be aware of false shepherds. 
But we also need to know the shepherd's voice. We see in in John 10, verse 3, it says, The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. You see, it's it's not just that we need to avoid what is wrong or dangerous or destructive. We need to move towards the one who is our good shepherd. And so it says here we need to know his voice. Now, I know I'm old enough to remember days before cell phones were ubiquitous and caller ID was on everything. And I remember when the phone rang in your home, you picked it up without knowing who was going to be on the other end, right? You had no idea who was going to be calling you. And so you picked up the phone and and you heard that voice on the other end. And if it was a friend, if it was a family member, you would know who it was the instant they spoke because you recognized their voice. You couldn't see their face. You didn't see caller ID pop up. But the moment you heard that voice, you understood who it was. I've experienced that more recently in a different way. Any parent understands that when there's a child crying out of sight, you know, you know the sound of their cry, right? Right? You can be a couple aisles over in the grocery store and you can hear a child cry and you have a moment and you think, is that mine? Yep. Yep, that's definitely mine, right? You recognize the sound of their cry. You see, whether it's a phone call before caller ID or just speaking to someone face-to-face, you get to know the voice of someone else. You see, the more you know Jesus, the better you'll be able to hear and discern His voice. When I was a youth pastor, we used to play a game where we would... Uh, we had blindfold one person and create this very basic kind of obstacle course out in the open. It wasn't very difficult because they're blindfolded. We didn't really want to trip them up or hurt them too much. And the way, and what we would ask them to do is they would ask them to listen to the voice giving them directions and guidance. So there'd be one person blindfolded and there'd be another person trying to guide them through the course. The only problem is that we told the rest of the youth group to start shouting and yelling and giving bad directions over top of the voice they were trying to listen to. And the challenge was to filter out all of those negative voices, all of the noise, all of the false teaching in order to focus in on the one voice that was telling them where to go. You see, the only way we can do that, the only way we can hear Jesus' voice is if we learn to listen in. It says here that the good shepherd knows his sheep by name. Again, it's that personal relationship that we're called to have with the Lord. He doesn't just love us in general. He loves us each specifically, individually, by name. I'm sure many of you saw the images that came out this week of the new, from the new James Webb Telescope uh, of some of the most detailed and farthest reaching pictures that we've ever seen of the universe. Stars and galaxies just in, in vivid detail like we've never seen before. Scripture says that God knows each one of those stars by name. That's from Psalm 147. And in Psalm 8, the psalmist reflects on, on, on God's majesty and beauty and creation. And then he says, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? You see, it says that, that God knows every single star by name. And we now know through these new images that there are trillions and trillions of stars in the galaxy. 
And we know here that if we are his sheep, if we're in his flock, he knows us by name as well. In fact, Scripture says he knows the number of hairs on our head, the number of days in our life. He knows us intimately, and he invites us into that personal relationship with him. And it says that he will lead us out as well. We hear his voice. He calls us by name. And then he provides guidance and care and provision because that's what shepherds do. Think again about Psalm 23, right? The 23rd Psalm talks about how the good shepherd provides for the sheep. The good shepherd protects the sheep with the rod and the staff. And the good shepherd is present with the sheep in all circumstances, including even through the valley of the shadow of death. You see, the hope of Psalm 23 is not that God will remove any and all obstacles from our path. No, the hope of Psalm 23 is that God will journey with us through whatever challenges and whatever circumstances we face, that he will guide and protect us through it all. So he's the good shepherd that goes ahead and leads his flock. There's a few things that are important for us to know for how to follow Jesus well. I've already, I've already hinted at one. We need, to, we need to know Scripture, right? If we want to hear His voice, if we want to follow Jesus well, then we need to be people who know His Word. I heard a story once of a, of a person who went up to his pastor, and he says, Pastor, I really, I just want to hear God speak. And the, person says, and the pastor says to the person, well, read your Bible. And he says, yes, I, I read my Bible. I want to hear His voice for myself. And so the pastor looked at him and says, well, have you tried reading it out loud, right? We hear God's voice every time we pick up the Bible and read. We hear the words of God every time we read passages from Scripture. This is God's Word. The more time we spend in Scripture, the more we will understand God's heart, His character, and His will. We'll begin to hear His voice guiding us. We also learn to follow the Good Shepherd in community with the other sheep, with other believers. God speaks through His people. We can better understand the Bible by studying it with our brothers and sisters in Christ. They can help point out blind spots that we're unaware of. They sometimes look at passages carrying different perspectives or different experiences with them. And so we can learn from them in a way that we maybe are unaware of ourselves. And it's our brothers and sisters in Christ that can encourage us, that can challenge us, that can hold us accountable. We also learn to follow the Good Shepherd through prayer. And prayer is a two-way conversation, right? It begins with God speaking to us through His Word, and we respond to God in prayer. Right? God speaks to us through His Word, we respond in prayer, but we also need to take that time to pause and listen, to meditate, right, and listen for His voice. My kids like to talk, right? They probably come by it honestly, right? They, they like to talk and talk and talk. And there's some times where I have to kind of butt in and say, hold up, take a breath and let somebody else participate in this conversation. I wonder if God sometimes feels the, way, the same way about us when it comes to our prayer lives. We talk and we talk and we talk, but we never give Him time to respond, We need to pause and listen to the shepherd's voice. 
So we need to beware of the false teachers. We need to learn to listen and know his voice. And the last thing I want to talk about this morning is that we need to join the good shepherd's flock. See, Jesus establishes not just a personal relationship with his sheep, but he also establishes a community of believers through his life, his death, and his resurrection. Jesus says here, not only is he the good shepherd, but he is also the gate, the only way, the only right way into the pen. A few chapters later in John 14, Jesus tells his disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, the amazing thing about Christianity isn't, is that, is that, isn't that God has provided... Let me put this the right way. The amazing thing about Christianity is that God has provided a way for us to know God, to be restored into a relationship with him. He doesn't provide multiple avenues towards that. He provides one way. And so in a sense, that is exclusive, right? The only way to God is through Jesus, through his death and his resurrection. But the wonderful thing about it is that it is the most inclusive invitation because Anyone and everyone can know God because it comes simply by faith through accepting Jesus as Savior and Lord. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus talks about the wide and the narrow gates. Right? One leads to destruction, one leads to eternal life. The wide gates lead to destruction, the narrow gates lead to eternal life. The gate is not narrow because it, only a few are able to pass through it. It's narrow because there's only one way to the Father but all are welcome to walk through that gate. And so all who believe in Jesus are able to enter through that gate and be part of his flock. So Jesus is establishing for himself a community of people, of believers. There are many sheep, but there is one shepherd. He says here that there are sheep in other pens that he's going to go and, and bring to be a part of his flock. Now, some people look at that passage and think that Jesus is teaching some sort of universalism here, that that it doesn't matter what religion you're a part of, that all roads eventually lead to Rome. But that's not what I believe Jesus is saying here. He's not talking about other religions or other faiths that are equally valid. No, the reference to other pens is a reference to other people outside of Israel, or as Scripture calls them, Gentiles. He's re- remember, he's speaking to the Pharisees. He's speaking to the Isra- leaders in Israel. And so he's reminding them that God's kingdom is bigger than the nation of Israel, that God's grace extends beyond national borders and includes all people who come to faith in Christ, regardless of nationality, political affiliation, skin color, financial situation, etc. As Ephesians 2 reminds us, God is not just reconciling us to himself, he's also reconciling us to each other. That Jew and Gentile are brought together to form one body, to form one people through the blood of Christ. Many sheep from all sorts of walks of life, but one shepherd. And he leads us all. See, the one thing we have in common is our relationship with Jesus. Faith in him as Savior and Lord is infinitely greater than anything that can separate us. I want to close with this one additional thought here. That we have a responsibility 
towards the other sheep in the flock. All too often we focus on our faith in a very individual way, like just me and Jesus hanging out. And yes, that, impo- that individual personal relationship is important. We need to know his voice. But we also have been placed within a body of believers, within a flock, so that we can encourage and care for those that he's put around us. He calls us to care for and love one another. So take a moment and look around, right? Look around at the people that are sitting in the pew with you or the, across the aisle. Right? These are the people that God has placed in this church for that reason to care for each other, to love one another, to support one another. That's why it's so important for us to recognize that we are, we are a body of believers called to follow our good shepherd together. The author of Hebrews puts it this way. I'll read this and close in prayer. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. How can you encourage your brothers and sisters in Christ? How can you spur one another on towards love and good deeds? And how can we together follow our good shepherd? Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity we've had this morning to praise you and worship you and to hear from your word. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are our good shepherd. And we ask that you would lead us even through the valley of the shadow of death, and that you would, we would find comfort in your presence and your provision. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. As we close our service of worship this morning, I invite you to stand and sing number 175 with us. Hallelujah. What a Savior.
Just a reminder, if you are a part of the vocal or bell choirs, we'd like to have just a brief meeting down in the social room at the end of this service. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. You may go in peace.